back to the Integral Stages Metapodcast series, where we podcast podcasters, broadcast broadcasters, and generally take a little time to reflect on the projects and people who are bringing forth higher, deeper developmental and transformative worldviews through digital online media, if anyone even calls it that anymore. Why don't you tell us who you are and where you are? All right. I'm Sam Skalbeck, and I am in Huntington Beach, California. We are, let me give a little bit of, this is the origin story of this for me. Okay. I get a group email and a long thread from integral legal political strategist, Ari Allen. And it says this, (laughs) I got the quote. Great. If anyone wants a little kick at the end of the day, my partner, Sam, just launched his TikTok series. Tic-tac-toe is in theories of everything. This series will walk viewers through memes of spiral dynamics and later turn to Aquil. This is the introduction of integral to TikTok. So I read that and I'm like, hey, I just talked to this woman who's running Manifest Nirvana, Andrew Cohen's glossy virtual turquoise international ashram. So I'm looking for something that's the complementary opposite of that. You know, low budge, short, inexperienced. So I overcome my heavily mixed feelings about the TikTok corporation and I sign up and I watch the first <laughs> bit of Sam's colorful, high speed, very spinny aroundy intro to developmental levels. And it's great. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know. Maybe I should ditch podcasts and just start making TikTok videos. How would I even do that? What's the aesthetic? Is this a useful medium for higher discussion at all? Should higher discourse keep itself clean from crazy addictive new global apps? Should we be jumping right in? Is it both? Sam, help me figure this all out. Tell me maybe the genesis of your idea to do this in the first place. Yeah, so I've been on TikTok for about just over like a year. So probably a year and a half last, not last not quarantine july but the july before i i I downloaded it and as a viewer i you know viewed videos for a while first before wanting to create but i have been creating on other platforms like youtube or instagram just like you know personally for my own stuff and i can edit videos and do stuff like that so um it seemed like a good medium and so I, i posted some videos there that were not related to integral or theory of everything and um, had some success. So like random videos would go viral, they call it on there, even though it's sort of just a way to get you to stick around, right? They'll, they'll send you a couple views every, you know, few months so that you can get that addiction that we all have to social media and stick around. So I got the idea. I, I originally did a series that was, um, more based on well no it was based on the secret so I was basically rereading the secret and was like oh this would be good material to share with people so I would read the summary page at the end of every chapter as like a secret like I'd I'd be like come here I have a secret and people kind of would engage with that and so that did all right and I was like thinking you know not only was I didn't really care how well it did on the app, but I just enjoyed making it. And so I was like, well, what else, what other book could I do like the secret where I don't necessarily have to generate all the content. It's sort of already there and I enjoy reading it and sharing it and sort of coming up with a way to present it. And so I had the idea for um, theory of everything because it was sort of the next book I like picked up again to read, to reread. And so I was like, this would be really, you know, there's so much going on in the world and not a lot of people it's, it's a targeted, you know, the app is a lot of a younger generation. Um, I'm 26. So, you know, people even younger than me are sort of 
growing on there and quickly. And so I thought, you know, this might be a good place to sort of engage younger people on these ideas at a base level and just see what happens. So I had the idea quite a while ago and didn't actually act on it until that first video. Well, that's not true. I made one sort of intro video using the little introduction of the book, I guess. And I was kind of just reading off the script, you know, reading from the pages and um, it didn't do that well. So, you know, you kind of take that as like, well, I guess I don't need to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of always throwing ideas out there and seeing which ones stick. And then, then I was like, well, you know, even if this one doesn't stick, like I, again, I enjoy making it and it sort of provides a, a way to like consistently create content. And so that was sort of, yeah, the genesis of that. Um, I've only really done that first, two videos the one that was pretty boring and then the one that you saw that was um more engaging but yeah it was sort of um just bouncing ideas off of Ari that you know maybe people will be into this and then the other sign that I got that I should do this was that I actually came across a girl who was doing it she had like you know she would wear something red and make her lights red and she would talk about the red meme and so uh she Uh, was more abundant vibes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Wait. Oh, so you found her? Okay, good. Yeah, I was I was checking out what was on there. Like, like it's it's a wide open field. There's hardly anything on integral and under spiral dynamics. It's basically you and her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Abundant vibes. She came up on my for you page, and I was like, you know, that's one thing people really like about TikTok is the algorithm seems to find the people who are interested in your stuff. So. If you, you know, go on there and talk about meditation, you'll find all the meditation people. If you go talk about, you know, tarot or anything like there's a big sort of spiritual side of TikTok. And um, so I thought that this sort of would tap into that, you know, and there's like sort of like a psychology side of TikTok. So it, it exists kind of in the way that, you know, people are thinking about and having those deeper discussions, but not really with integral. So I thought that yeah, it's definitely, like you said, a wide open space that lots of people could jump in there and create for. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by the possibility of using it to, you know, deal with higher discussion topics. I think most of the people who flatter themselves at thinking they're involved in higher discussion topics all their lives, uh, they're slow to adapt to these things because it seems like it's a medium full of people unlike themselves. Mm. Yet it's definitely been going that way. Like years ago, I used to try to write books, right? And then it was blogs and then (laughs) it's just podcasts now. So like, and I've held off from Twitter. I don't really, (laughs) it's hard for me to feel that Twitter is useful in any way. But I always, yeah. and Nietzsche had this idea that philosophy has to return to aphorisms and very compressed little small units that can be unpacked and are provocative. Mm. Um, but it's an open question about whether big visions can be placed in small packages or not. Mm. Interesting. That's a good question. And it's definitely small packages. You know, you're talking 60 second videos. So yeah, it could be. If, if that's something that works, then it yeah. could really work. Yeah, exactly. And it might be, I mean, maybe our brains are all being changed so that that's the right size unit, or maybe it's the perfect vehicle for introductions like you're doing. Right, right. But at the same time, like what I'm trying to figure out, like I was talking to Bruce who edits this series. I'm like, maybe we should just, uh, cause we don't even take out like a, a, 
an eight minute sample from a two hour interview and be like, Hey, here's the bait part. <laughs> but we were thinking mm. maybe we should just do 30 seconds of each video and run it on TikTok. And then we thought, well, what would we do? Would we even try to do a lot of content or would we just try to have like a, a weird little engaging thing where people are like, what the fuck is that? And then they want to check it out. Yeah. No, when, it, when it, you look at it, what are you looking for? What do you, what do you find is really engaging type of content in this medium? Yeah. It's a lot of the authenticity is what people are oftentimes looking for. And me too. Um, like, I think that, you know, something like this, the reason it doesn't, it wouldn't necessarily work on like Instagram is because it's sort of an app that glamorizes like luxury. And it's sort of this like over the top, like everyone's living this Your perfect life. life on Instagram. Yeah. The highlight reel. And TikTok is very much more like the meme spot. And I don't mean that to reference theory of everything. It's more like memes as in like, you know, funny videos that are like cat videos or so it sort of has that more authentic, less edited, more, I mean, lots of things on there are very edited, but they, they want to present themselves as off the cuff and just right. me talking to you or whatever. And, and there are a lot of content creators on there who now do, you know, have big camera setups and they edit out of app and then upload it to the app. But a lot of the, you know, people are just using the tools that are on the app, their basic videos, add the music, you know, depending on, yeah, what you want to do, you could do like a, a screen grab of a snippet of this that's, you know, in the vertical format and just the most, you know, provocative. It could even be the, the other thing about it is like 60 seconds is like long for TikTok. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of combining um, the app the attention span of like Vine, which was seven second videos and like, you know, dub smash, which was like, you know, lip syncing. So it's sort of those, that combination. And so if you did like even, you know, a one liner from a podcast, that's like really provocative. That is sort of, you know, when you're talking to someone, you get to that one realization or something, and then you take that little snippet and put it in on there. And then it's like, you know, link and whatever to hear the rest of the podcast and something like that, you know. All right. So I'm going for fine meets dub smash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, what kind of tools do you use? I mean, I, I poked around a little trying to figure out what the, the buttons do. <laughs> yeah. But obviously yours has, I mean, you're edited out and you're spinning around and you're doing things that I didn't see the buttons providing. Yeah. So actually that one I edited all in app. So they have these tools like in the effects category, okay. their effects are sort of, they're becoming the archetype for what like Snapchat and Instagram create. And their filters are like green screen, green screen with your hand, green screen with your face, green screen on your forehead, green screen. So they've sort of taken these simple filters and made them a little bit more complex okay. so people are also you know you could spend all day just looking through the effects and being like oh i can turn my face into a blob and that might be totally unuseful for you but like you know there are things in app that are pretty um cool for you know i i don't know how to make a green screen on my own you know filming with my camera i don't know how to do that so the fact that tiktok can make a green screen behind me and make my whole background a picture from my camera roll 
is a pretty cool um, editing effect. It does take a while to sort of get the, you know, you kind of have to, you're sort of recording like this, like get your shot. Okay. Get the next shot. Like if, if you mess up the third shot, it's kind of hard to go back and, you know, edit it out later. It is possible, you know, but um, yeah, I think it's, and then I do some videos that I edit out of app. So it's just too much to, or it's using older clips or something so that I don't really want to record it fresh in the app. I want to edit it out make, add sound effects and music and stuff like that. So. Uh, what about the the duet function? I noticed you did a few of those. Uh, is that are you bringing in that footage from some other piece of software? So duet is um, a pretty great feature for like engaging with other people. So like, for instance, I could go to Abundant Vibes video and duet it and be like, I just started my own series on the same thing. Like, come check it out. What she talked about is amazing, but like I'm doing it on mine or whatever. And that way, you know, people can kind of see like, oh, he's similar to her or like he's got an idea from her or he, you know, so it's a cool function because that's all in app too. You're I, that you basically, I think with a duet, you have to record fresh. Like, I don't think you can, maybe you can, but I'm pretty sure you can't like upload your own footage to be next to someone else's. You basically have to take something that's created, duet it. And then it's recording you while you're watching right. what what they're doing. And then the other feature that's really cool that was actually in the last year they just came out with called Stitch, which is essentially instead of like going side by side next to someone in a duet, it allows you to like play the beginning of their video and then you stitch and, and finish the video. So that became really popular because people will be like, tell me a video that lives in your head rent free and then like stitch that girl and then continue. So it kind of became a, a way to, for people to prompt people to do something or like, tell me your most embarrassing high school story or something like that, where like that could be useful for this conversation because you could engage people again, who are like going to be interested in this. So you could say, you know, stitch this and tell me a time you realized you were in the green meme or something. You know what I mean? And then people come up with stories of, Oh, I, I realized like, that's how I got to the next level. And, and so that was sort of one of my goals of wanting to create it was that, you know, I think the more people who like realize at all that there is such a thing as spiral dynamics, the more people will move up the spiral. And so when her video came up, I was like, yeah, this is perfect. She said this sort of a similar thing I wanted to say about like, you know, have you ever wondered why people are like fighting over politics or sports or whatever? And it's like, you know, probably because they're in this meme. And so I thought that was a cool way of, yeah, using that. So I, I could use that feature to stitch her and then talk more about it and sort of attract the same people that, because her video got a lot of views. So there's clearly a lot of people who somewhere thought that that was interesting and we're engaging in it and even though she's not talking about it anymore you know there's people out there who want to who want to learn about it i had this flash in my head when i was watching some of them there's a guy my pal steve mcintosh author of developmental politics old time i don't want to say old time but he, he was an integral philosopher you know a couple of decades back already and he, when he gets excited 
he, he has some weird head movements and hand gestures and things like that. And I thought I would love to play him. And I usually, I agree with 80% of what he says. I would love to play him and then have me beside making fun of his gestures and going along with what he says. And at some point deviate and introduce the part where I don't agree and have that mm. be a 30 to 60 second video. That was my first. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. A lot of people do very, um, again, low budget, like impersonations of people. Like it'll literally be as simple as being like, and you know, you title it like me and then you say you're blind and then you switch the camera to this angle and you just say him and act his part out, go back to you, me. And so it's, it's really easy to do that sort of dialogue where you're showing, you know, what two people are saying or, and people, ha I see that a lot on there in terms of uh, political, like people will sort of, you know, act out the part of their Trump supporter family member and be like, you know, they, they're going to say this, da, 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 da. so you say, well, what about this? And then they say this. And, you know, usually it ends with them being like, well, there goes that conversation. Like they didn't really get the, you know, whatever it might be, but that's a great idea to sort of do that back and forth with, uh, with a character that you're making yeah. up. What you're describing right there, my, my first thought was uh, two versions of me doing the right and left polarization version of each of the levels and just mm. do a series of those showing both. Yeah, ends. that would be neat. Yeah, there's a kind of aesthetic gap, uh, I think, in a lot of these meta level communities, right, where the older people, which I mean, is like people who are around who are already doing it in the 90s and turn, <laughs> they have a real tendency toward books and lectures in a kind of professionalized style. They want it mm. to be glossy and marketable in that old sense. And, you know, I'm doing this meta podcast. So I talk to a lot of younger people doing podcasts and they almost always lean the other way. They want it grittier, more amateurish, right? That it's, it's awesome when a, a baby or a cat walks in or something like that, that the slightly older people think you, you want to expunge that you want good lighting and good sound and you want everything well framed. What's your take? You know, is, is there a place for both of those or is one slowly replacing the other? What's the aesthetic of the future, Sam? <laughs> the aesthetic of the future. I think it's, I think it's going to be messy because, you know, it's, it's reflecting the world right now, which is pretty messy. And I think that the younger generations, you know, they would see the lectures and the polished version as like school, you know, and maybe, but even their school is messy now. Like they're going to Zoom University. Their teachers have babies walking in the room. Their dogs are barking in the background. And so that sort of veil has kind of been lifted in terms of like, I go somewhere, I sit and I learn. And now people, you know, you'll see people all the time in the comments saying, I've learned more on TikTok than I did in school. And so there really is this feeling when you're on there that, you know, maybe we're not wasting time on social media. Maybe there is a, a, a use for it beyond what we had previously thought worthy of social media. I know I went down that rabbit hole of we're all doomed. Like we're so, you know, we're all narcissistic, obsessed with ourselves and comparing ourselves to other and jealousy and, you know, all these things that greed uh, don't really seem to be serving us. And then on TikTok, it was really sort of this, people being like, I love it here. Like, I love that I can be 
more gritty or more authentic and people actually appreciate that versus like being compared to other people or or uh having to glamorize my life to to fit in it's like people want to learn something from someone who has that authentic experience and you can find pretty much any and every lane of type of person creating their sort of art and or maybe not art there or teaching about any sort of topic on there so i think the aesthetic for the future is that more authentic gritty not polished video and you know of course you're going to see you know the major corporations and stuff like that trying to replicate that you know right they're going to take have their take on the tiktok now you, it, they're starting to already you know trickle on over from instagram and stuff and it's like they're going to end up hiring these kids to work for them and make their videos and you know that's that the the fact that they'll be cre- controlling the aesthetic is very telling i think of what it'll look like cuz if people can't keep up with what they're doing you know the the humor and the jokes and the the sounds that they're using they change every single day so if if you're not keeping with that pulse like you'll probably miss that you know miss those sort of opportunity to engage with uh the the younger generation but i think that lots of people will be on the app who who aren't young too and there already are like you you'll find like grandma tiktok and all of a sudden you're like watching this grandma do like amazing transitions and you're like okay so she she figured it out like she she got in on it and figured it out it's not like just a young person's app it's really for everyone so wow i should be like tiktok salesman now with that with <laughs> yeah that i'm sold i'm in <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, how do you feel like your own style's been changing over this time that you've been experimenting with it? And also earlier, you were saying you worked on some other platforms, but I look at your stuff, I see a lot of uh, upfront enthusiasm, a little silliness, a lot of costume changes, a lot of yeah. camera angles. <laughs> you yeah. You're, uh, you know, figuring out your style? Yeah, I think, like I said, it it kind of changes pretty rapidly. So. I've just been experimenting, you know, with things that I want to make that bring me joy, you know, and and as a performer like yeah, I like doing costumes and I like, you know, being active and going out into on my rollerblades or whatever it might be and so yeah, my style I think is still in like the experimental phase of like finding something that both I like to create and people like to watch because I think there's that sort of you know spectrum of like you could really like to make something but nobody cares about it or you could like hate making something but everyone loves it and so you have to keep doing it cuz people like it and so I want to find that sort of like in between of you know my my type of people who want to watch what i'm making and enjoy it and i also enjoy it and i think that's sort of in this more like educational spiritual integral way would sort of attract you know you can start to build like a community on there of people who you know are really interested in it and i think it's easier certainly in terms of style to like go with the more dub smashy like 7 second videos that 
you know, keep people's attention span because they're dwindling. So, it, you know, to keep someone around for a minute is now like a feat, which is also like a good challenge to have. Um, but, you know, if, if you can tell a story in seven seconds and have people stick around for something edu more educational, I'd love for that to be my style, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's changing all, you know, a lot. And I'm just still in that experimental phase of what, what works, what's, yeah. I noticed the, uh, in the Spiral Dynamics one, but also in some of your, like the artist's way one, where you try to summarize principles that you're yeah. saying it as well as, you know, you've got what you're saying appearing as text. Uh, you think it's important uh, to have that double, have the visual and the acoustic happening simultaneously? Totally, not only for, accessibility um a lot of people on the app yeah including myself would advocate for accessibility so sometimes you'll see um people post a video and in the comments it'll just be like where's the closed captioning like repost this with closed captioning because people are wanting to make sure that people who can't hear it can still enjoy it so for that reason people um push it for to create that closed captioning. But um, yeah, also I think people want to, you know, if they can't understand what you're saying or they want to be able to like read along. And like I said, they like to feel like they're learning sometimes. So that helps. It's like, yeah, double. You're like, I'm reading it and hearing it. Uh, and then, yeah, for accessibility's sake, I'm the, I think it's definitely like a necessary part of it. I don't know if you know uh, Marshall McLuhan. He was sort of a media philosopher in the 60s. But okay. his idea was that we used to be super specialized on our eyeballs for a couple hundred years when we got like books for the first time. And mm. we use your eyes and the brain part that controls your eyes to like decipher all these super dense tiny squiggles and make meaning out of them. So we were like super eyeball people from, you know, mm. 1600 to the 1950s. Yeah. We started to transition to electronics. His idea was that our we're going to use less of our brain on our eyeballs and more on our fingers and ears. And so they're all mm. going to kind of balance out. And so you're going to have a kind of finger, ear, and eyeball mishmash style, uh, which mm. makes a lot of sense because you're doing a lot of this. And you're also listening. And people, I mean, people read stuff online and they say that they heard it. <laughs> Uh, so I think right. it is probably very important to get the acoustic and the visual kind of in balance to be appropriate to the digital medium. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But maybe I'm overthinking it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that'll be important for sure to keep those in line. So why, why any of this content? What, what was the interest? Why did you get books on? integral theory or spiral dynamics? What led you to be interested? Yeah, I think I came at it through, yeah, I think through more like spirituality because I went to school for like musical theater. So I was studying like singing and dancing. And so that's, they're not talking about really integral there. But then, yeah, I think through meeting Ari and just like he has all these books. And so I would read like, you know, like the secret or whatever. And you're sort of talking about 
something bigger than yourself and laws of the universe. And so he would say like, oh, well, why don't you read, you know, this book? And so I just started reading different books that he had. Um, and then, yeah, I was working on a cruise ship. So I took a bunch of books with me there. And I think that's when I first started reading it and then was like, you know, took a couple times, like, I got to try this again, you know, read it get get more further through it um yeah so I think I came at it through that sort of like spiritual through like the secret the Kabbalion sort of those texts and then was like oh this one sort of you know sums up everything you know theory of everything so that was sort of the how I got into it yeah that's interesting stuff like the old the secret's almost old fashioned in its approach. You know, it's trying to describe a picture of the universe and how the objective world and the subjective world work together in some ways. It's got a lot of, you know, irrationality to it, but also some very engaging elements that make you feel empowered and you want to try it out and, you know, be able to take some exactly. control over your attention and your world. Right. Um, so I think there were a lot of those historically, like a lot of our esoteric spiritual traditions come from people trying to do that stuff over the last 10,000 years. And the attempt yeah. to do that and also add in like rationality and postmodern critique, it's pretty engaging. But like you say, it's stuff you got to reread to really get into. Yeah. And I think, you know, a book like The Secret is much more palpable and you can sort of apply it right away. Whereas this felt more like, again, like a little bit more of like an educational text, like I'm reading something for school and I'm going to be like marking it and like trying to analyze it versus just like, you know, leisurely reading it. So I think that was sort of, yeah, what drew me to it too, was like, you know, continued learning and learning about something new that's pretty hard to grasp right away. Do you... um when you look back at your own life now, do you see something like developmental stages or not? Yeah, I guess, I guess when I'm reading it, I, I'm not so much applying it to my life as more, you know, trying to think of it in terms of the world and everyone else. So I, I didn't really like attribute the, the last time I read it, at least to, yeah, to my life as much as I did like, oh, this is like this sort of person in my head, I can picture fighting this person and the other meme. And so sort of approaching it from that angle versus my own stages. I think that's where the, uh, one of the advantages of the integral framing is that four quadrant thing where it sort of forces you to think about like what it looks like in the world and what it looks like in yourself what it looks like in your relationships and the kind of mm. systems we have when, when you just look at the spiral dynamics part, which is really good, but you sort of think about it like, Oh, that's what the world looks like. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the quadrants I was less focused on. And then when you mentioned it, I like took it another look at it and was like, yeah, this makes, cause I had seen, uh, you know, obviously this quadrant sort of system is used for a lot of things, but like, moving from like, yeah, from I to we to that whole journey is pretty cool to look at too. So it, uh, I mean, you're drawn to spirituality, you're drawn to music and theater. Now you're drawn to some higher philosophical concepts. Uh, 
what's that? Where's that coming out of? It's uh, you know, what's your, do you feel like you have an underlying developmental drive of some kind? Yeah, I think it's, you know, like a, uh, performers, like we often say we're like storytellers. So that I think, you know, after telling other people's stories, you know, uh, that are these fictional, most of the time fictional, um, made up musical worlds. Yeah. I think that there's a desire and a lot of, you know, theater is escapism. And so I think there's a desire, at least for me to like be telling true stories mm -hmm. versus fictional or like uh, imaginary worlds. Like there's so many amazing stories that exist in reality, not in fantasy. And I, I through performing, I think realized I would rather be performing those things. And so, um, you know, with everything closed down, it, it's like an opportunity to like create and write the stories you want to tell versus interpreting someone else's work and doing your version of it. And so I think, yeah, I was drawn to like, how can I use my talents as a storyteller to tell something that I wish I would have known yeah. earlier and I'm still learning about and, you know, that I think more people would benefit from learning about, you know, it's very much when you read it, you're like, Oh, if everyone knew this, you know, we'd all be leveling up all the time because you'd, you'd understand that it's not, you know, right versus left. It's green versus orange, you know, you'd get that sort of distinction. And I think once, more people and so through meditation too like meditation and spirituality there's you know the belief that like if we can get a higher percentage of people meditating the whole consciousness shifts upwards because there's just that pure like number percentage of people who are to that point of consciousness so i think taking that idea and applying it to this was sort of my initial like why do this it was just like you know not only is it great and sort of never-ending you know it's like this never-ending conversation that you can continue to create content about and then also you're helping people sort of level up within the memes and then also I was like if by teaching myself you know or by teaching other people I'm learning more about it myself so that was sort of the impetus to go through these stages yeah yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's easy to critique people for outputting information before they've really assimilated it. But I've always found you don't really assimilate it until you try to output it somehow. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. You learn, you, you learn through the sharing of it. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to put it, I mean, you have to do something to that information to make it shareable and to guess that it's going to be understandable to someone else. And you've modified mm -hmm. it in a way, I think, that helps your system digest it. Because too much... Right. There are a lot of people in, in these scenes that are... Uh, they've taken it in and they can regurgitate it. But it hasn't necessarily gone into their heart. hasn't gone into their body. Mm. hasn't gone into their life. So uh, figuring out how to make this information digestible is almost more important than just having people hear it. Right. Because it's like... 
yeah, it's like studying. It'd be like for me studying theater and knowing everything about the history of theater, but not actually be able to being able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was sort of where I'm at in the process now of making these is like, I, I, I didn't go on to like break down the levels yet because I wanted to like make sure I had something for every, you know, like had a something yeah. for every level or even like doing a first video before going into each one that was like, here's all of them. Like, like abundant vibes sort of did. Like she had one where she was like, here's beige, here's red, here's blue, here's orange. And so finding that, what you were saying, like the way to regurgitate it, but in a simpler way was sort of why I was like, oh, I can use meme formats like to describe the memes. So that's sort of where I'm at now is trying to like, I've been gathering like, you know, all the different meme formats and being like, okay, what, how could I explain this in a way that people who understand memes would understand if I just add in a few words here, you know? So um, what do you think of, who do you think of when you think about beige? What's your, uh, you know, cartoon image of the beige world? Well, I have this. Okay, so I, I, if I can show you on my phone, I have a few memes that I think actually do um, sort of fit the, sure. the vibe of, of each one. So, well, I'm, I'm still figuring out which ones go where, but I think beige, I think of like a caveman, right? Like it's supposed to be like archaic, whatever. So I have like this guy, a SpongeBob. Okay, yeah, SpongeBob. SpongeBob yeah. meme or... Or this one is sort of like in that same era of like caveman, which is, it says, behold, the one commandment. <laughs> and you could sort of put like an idea on there, like survival, and then dis describe it as like, yeah, you know, this is all you care about. And this meme is survival. So that's what I had for beige. For purple, I had like, do you know the frog? The frog, I think he's a frog. Pepe, the frog. Yeah, the sort of... guy. Okay, Pepe. So that boy. one's more the, <laughs> mis the mystical guy. You know, he believes... I found another one that he looks like that. <laughs> okay. So that was sort of where I was going for that one. Then red, I was a little stuck on red, but I found like this one, which is like someone believing in or like facts right like he's saying like look here's the facts like i found this book and like believe in me because i have this book so i thought that could be interesting but then i also found because they talked about isn't does royal families fit into red like sort of believing like i have a queen and she's my ruler sort of i, I can't remember if that's yeah some of that stuff might go in blue in blue. So then I found her. I want to break free. You know, the sort of wanting to that that's sort of the right in in red to blue is sort of breaking free of whatever. And then and then herd mentality is more I found a herd mentality meme that I thought was good. So I was like, I could put that into and then this kid. The success kid I thought I would use for um, orange, like Strive Drive. Yeah. Very much him. And then 
who was this one? This meme format, I wasn't sure what to use it for, but I wanted to use it at some point because it's pretty, you know, recognizable. But yeah. I wrote science on the the girl he's looking back to. So it's sort of like, I think that's, you know, moving to green is when you're like into science. Is that right? Uh, different kinds of science. I mean, science starts with like orange, orange, but that's yeah. like classic science. So then like new science is all green. Got it. So yeah, I wanted to use, and then I had some other just like good, you know, meme formats like this one, which you could like sort of help. You can add in any words to sort of, you know, tell a story about the fighting between the two memes, you know, of different. So yeah, first I, I wanted to sort of get that base level of like, you know, if I can only show that one picture and be like, this is what represents beige in seven seconds like the, you know I, I wanted to find one of one of each sort of meme before going into like yeah this meme means this and expand on it so yeah it's pretty good those are the class that's like the classic meme library images <laughs> yeah i was going for the ones that like are the most recognizable that people would be like okay now i get what he's saying you know in a short period of time uh one of the first times i ever felt like i got beige was I was watching The Walking Dead. And then the next morning I was out at a cafe and I watched these homeless people come by wearing like rags and shuffling around and barely being articulate and just plucking stuff off the ground, like cigarettes, things like that. I thought, oh, that's the zombies and the homeless people are also pretty much exactly what the cavemen were doing. It looks nicer when the cavemen do it, but they were wearing mm. bloody rags and being inarticulate and shuffling around and just picking stuff off, off the ground, that kind of thing. Right. Well, that's a fun, right. That's a fun world. And I think, I don't know, like the acting thing is interesting to me, the theater part, because one of one half of it is storytelling and why not tell a really big story if you like storytelling. And the other part of it is role playing. And it seems mm. like being able to enter into different persona uh, uh, is a way of unleashing block shadow material, but also expanding the complexity of your psyche. And each of these levels is a different character that you can inhabit. Right. And that's what, you know, in some ways, the more evolved human is the one who can more fluidly access information from the, a broader spectrum of roles. Right. Yeah, and that's an interesting perspective too of not not just regurgitating information. Like not anyone could do that. Anyone could read this book and sort of do what I kind of did with my first theory of everything video, which is just like say what, you know, the say the script. But then to be the character like you're saying might be a a better way of getting people to understand where they see these different types of people in their life or types in people, you know. I also think about it in terms of sort of where the camera is. Like, uh, you know, the maps they show at the beginning of Lord of the Rings or something like that. And you're yeah. like, like up above a couple of kingdoms. Right. I think that's where that's where blue sees the world from. It's like, here's our country and another country and they're terrible over in that country. Uh, and we have a big group of people and we have our customs and we have our, our magic book and our rules. And so they're looking down over a local area. And, you know, blue people don't really know about the whole planet. They'll probably still tell you the world's flat. Mm. Right. Whereas 
the red people are looking down from the top of a totem pole or from a nearby hill and they can survey the region. They don't know about the nations, but they mm. know their area. And the purple people are like, they're camping. They're around the campsite. They're like, they're always one step away from returning to the bush with the beige people, but they yeah. got an area where they can like hang out and tell stories and respect the elders and things like that. Yeah. And then the orange people did that. It's like the camera lifted off the planet and suddenly you saw the nearby solar system. And we're like, hey, we go around the sun and we're all on this mm. same world together. They become international, but also kind of solar. And then it's hard yeah. to know where the green people place their camera because the green people diversified into like 30 cameras and send it in all directions. <laughs> and they're like, all cameras are equal. Yes, it's relative. It depends which camera you're looking from and when, and there's multiple timelines and yeah, gets a uh, quantum time travel pluralistic. Yeah, no, that's a great way to, to tie a visual into it in terms of geography and how pe you could help people see it that way. Yeah, it's, I mean, spiral dynamics is interesting and it's, I think it's one of the most accessible ways to get into thinking about levels. And then there's this integral zoom out thing, which is partly the quadrants, but also partly the theory that there's a whole bunch of different lines and all these levels go up in these different areas. So spiral dynamics is just one of those areas, the world yeah. values, but I might find those same lines on my emotions or my meditation practice or whatever it is, my ability to play the piano or something. Right. And then you get a slightly different vibe about it once you've seen it. Once you've been able to think through what it looks like in all those different styles, then you have a little bit different feel for it than the spiral dynamics people. But I think that's still the, the major way into all of this is through those spiral dynamics levels. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, would you say that's the, that's most people's way, way in is through that is like understanding what that is. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there's, you know, the notion of a second tier, like what are all the levels that are going to fill up that second tier? It's hard to know. But the first one for most people is just getting a ladder in their mind, you know, mm. and it could be any of them. Right. But you just need like one. You don't need to think about 15 versions of the ladder. You just gonna be like, OK, there's there's a ladder. There's some stages. Oh, colors. That's great. Colors makes it a lot simpler. <laughs> <laughs> right right it's getting a exactly. sense that we go through those changes and that there's more possible changes we could go through and that we can recognize other people and societies as versions of that ladder uh, i think that's the first level of the second tier then when you right. really got that hopefully when you really got that and then you start to go all right let's make it more complicated <laughs> right right yeah the other sort of lane i was considering taking it was through like you know a lot of times in spiral dynamics, they talk about like, oh, this is the terrible twos stage, or, you know, this is this stage of infancy or whatever. And I think that's, you know, relatable to people because everyone's like, oh yeah, I, I know a baby right now that's in my life, or I was a baby once. Like they can sort of understand like, you know, they might not be ever have been a caveman. So that might feel a little far off of like, too far away from people so i thought oh maybe the baby way of like explaining how like you kind of develop through these throughout your each person's life has these stages not just cavemen to yeah. you know feudal empires or whatever when i was 
I want to say six. I mean, Superman, Conan, like all that red shit. It, everybody I liked was just a super strong, legendary, magical character who could mm-hmm. on all the other magical characters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I would, like I would make. We had a creek, right? And I would get these reeds and I would tie them together to make fake chains so that I could burst out of them. Because somehow, mm. in order to organize my life, I had to feel like I was an individual human being overpowering all the natural constraints. <laughs> right. That makes that's, sense. That's my, that's my red touchstone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That that's an interesting place too because that's sort of what you asked me earlier was like, you know, do you have a touchstone for each meme and I don't think I've actually done that work yet so to do that would help me sort of understand and be able to say quickly in the videos like you know red is this here's the meme look at it you can understand what this is because maybe you recognize it but also in addition it's that time you were a kid and you wanted to do that because you wanted to feel yeah that would be a good a good sort of way to to organize it I'm I'm intrigued by this stuff. I'm intrigued by what you're doing. And my girlfriend is always like, "Why don't you, why don't you make a simple one and we'll talk to the kids about it?" <laughs> and yeah, I, I part of me really wants to do that, but at the same time, what excites me is like nuancing the model past itself. <laughs> right. On the other side, but I do want to you know come back to the introductory overviews and the basic stuff because I think. That always helps you clarify yourself, trying to simplify it, trying to make it accessible. Right. Yeah. And I think just even, you know, during the, these obviously turbulent times, it's, it's like we, we all want to dream of that better yeah. where it's like, oh, we've got it all figured out, you know, all that. And then, and then it's like comes back to that idea of like, the more people we can get to up level, the more, you know, we won't, we'll have less homeless people in beige and we'll have less people fighting over politics and we'll have less people doing all these things that we're looking at right now. It's like, is this ever going to end? Like, how have we not figured this out yet as a species that like we should, everyone should live, you know, (laughs) to be able to respect each other is a huge part of getting that done. Like, I'm mostly a Bernie Yang kind of guy, but you can see that there's a huge number of people at blue in the country who think there should be a strong hierarchy and a Christian authoritarian system. And they feel incredibly disrespected and it makes them kind of crazy, (laughs) right? If only we could enfold and understand their aesthetic and their vibe and let them know that we appreciate them. And there's a spot for good blue, (laughs) You don't right. have to suddenly break away from that and become modern or postmodern. You've got to, we've got to figure out how to stabilize each of the levels so that people at that level have the natural opportunity to grow rather than, you know, showing up and buying out their farm and throwing them into a modern school and telling them something they don't actually believe yet. And then they just got to pretend they're modern people now. Right. Or fight against it. Yeah. A lot of people are emotionally like not up to the level where we hypothetically are as a society. Right. So emotionally, like we're offering, they're operating from that. Everything relies on the Bible or everything relies on something that's everyone else, not everyone else. A lot of other people have 
moved past that and have instinctively I, they're like that. Like you can go to school and and you know they you know they they say uh, you know what's the shape of the world and you write it's round because you want to pass the test fine, but inside you still think I don't know it doesn't look round to me. And even if I agree, I'm just agreeing because they said it's in a magic book that says the world is round. So it's right. like I'm still believing the Bible when I just believe the science I heard about. <laughs> so I think a lot of people are kind of fake orange. And then you get a kind of fake, mm. you get these weird versions of orange and green that we're suffering through. Because a lot of people didn't authentically buy into the new level because the school system sort of just rushed them into saying the new stuff. Right. Right. So how do you get people to really buy into it and, and realize that they're at that other mean, yeah. you know, and that's what you're talking about. The quadrants comes in. It's more, it's more about applying it to different areas of your life. You might be operating, like you're saying, emotionally from one instinctively from another in your career at another. Yeah. So it's getting, it's not, and that was sort of the realization I had when making that first video was like, it's not types of people. Like you're not just like, you're a blue and you're a Trump supporter. It's like, no, you're blue. Sometimes you're green. Sometimes you, there are different types in you versus you're not just one type. Yeah. We're all a mix. Uh, and also it's an authenticity issue. Like you're, you know, in order to get those quadrants together, to get different parts of yourself to that same place makes you authentically sort of at that place. Mm. A lot of people who can talk from a place that they're not really at. Right. That makes sense. How long have you and Ari been together? We've been together for almost three years. Yeah. Yeah. Or just over politics around the dinner table a little bit yeah yeah i'm always like listening and watching stuff with him and yeah yeah he's got a real i mean he's very uh he's a great facilitator and he's very serious on some big important issues so it must be an interesting yeah. to have around to talk to yeah he's got you know the education side so that gives him that ability to sort of yeah, organize and lead that stuff. And then the more, uh, yeah, deeper philosophical stuff is great to, yeah, talk about and learn more about. What else? Yeah, let's get personal. Where are you from? <laughs> yeah. Where'd you grow I, up? Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, but I was born in California and lived in Nevada for a little bit of my life and then grew up in Wisconsin, went to college in Wisconsin. And then moved to New York after graduating. And then that's when I met Ari. And then we lived in New York. I was traveling a lot for theater and dance and um, working sort of all over the place. And then, yeah, we moved out to California just over a year ago. So Midwestern gay and off to the big city and then out to the leading edge. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> all over just pushing it yeah what's your um you know what's your sense of where the country's at i'm in canada so we i mean we're suffering the same things but we've got a more um people friendly system up here 
And yeah, where our, our news is not nearly as exciting as American news. We're just watching what appears to be a rolling catastrophe of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it like? What do you, you know? How, what does it feel to live through the United States in the last little while? Yeah, it definitely feels like every day is sort of a reality TV show. Obviously, with a reality TV show host as a president, that's what you're going to get, you know. And uh, I grew up watching The Apprentice, so that's pretty interesting too. Like, I actually remember having like in a notebook that I found, like, I didn't find it recently, but like cut out pictures of Donald Trump as like, this is what you want to aspire to, like, you know, gold towers and opulence. So I like, I liked that show. And I apparently liked him enough to cut him out of a magazine and put him in a journal or whatever. So I think, you know, that sort of breaking of the norm was necessary, but painful for a lot of people obviously I think a lot of people were not paying attention to what was going on and you see that sort of starting to happen now with people being like oh I can't wait to like every day it not be like breaking news something terrible is going on like at least now when I go watch like the news will be something a little bit more hopeful and maybe baby steps towards what we we're thinking is the right direction but yeah it's definitely been painful to <laughs> to live in america the last four years but i think it is headed in the right direction or a direction i don't know if it's the right direction but we were going down one path and we sort of course corrected it it seems like but i don't think that you know a lot of people say that i it it, it was necessary to sort of take the you know show the man behind the curtain of the wizard of oz scene you know of there's a lot going on that we don't know about and it's now been more revealed i guess i used to watch celebrity apprentice i found an old drawing of uh that i'd made of gary Busey and donald trump having a psychic battle <laughs> yeah uh, it was hilarious. I mean, he's he's a really engaging. There's something radiant about his character uh, in his better moods. Uh, obviously, his policies and his competence are terrible, but a lot of his positions, if he actually followed through on a bunch of his positions, that would be a really interesting system. And it's really intriguing to have this crazy, anarchic, you know, subtle energy, radiant, bizarro shaman running the system for a while. Uh, obviously, there have been a lot of bad results for a lot of people, but I'm I'm torn because part of me part of me is like, oh, good, it's calmed down. Maybe it's back on track. And yes, by all means, re-sign the environmental accords and things like that. At the same time, I listen to Joe Biden for one minute and I want to turn it off because it's the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. And I think that would be the perfect cover for a system that's even worse than Donald Trump. And maybe created Donald Trump because they've been in charge for decades, those people, right? So, like, are we back on course or are we back off course? You know, and right. what would be the alternative to any of this shit? <laughs> right, right. I, I agree with that. And I think that it sort of talks about that interesting spectrum, too, of, like, uh, Bernie to Trump voters, of people who were just, like, 
you know, this man's speaking against the system and so is he. So I can understand that swing vote that goes that way and how uh, if it had just been Bernie, things could be so much different because it's like someone inside the system, but who's also against it versus someone who's outside the system and against it is sort of a lot more destructive than I think we were ready for. But I do agree that, yeah, you you hear the new president speak and it's just like, oh, so this is like, this is where we're at again. But I think enough, do you think enough people have, you know, at least realized like that there's something else going on? You know what I mean? That you're, you're talking about like sort of uh, what else is happening that he's this calm or this, you know, polished or whatever. But I think enough people are like, yeah, he's, he's a typical version of a typical politician, but like at least there's enough people in there who are more progressive or more, you know. I mean, I think the odds are better now than ever because you've got more of those progressive people in there. And I think they're slowly learning that they have to be something like more aggressive. They have to really push their case. They can't go along with the mainstream central liberals uh, because those people always sort of undermine the progress. And Mm. maybe that was fine in 1950. But right now we're facing so many crises that unless we do big progressive things, each new shock is going to wreck the whole system, right? So like in my mind, Bernie is the minimum set of things you would have to do to have a society that's even halfway prepared for all the shit that's about to hit us. Right. Right. So I I want there to be big changes. uh, And I, I worry that the progressives have historically allowed themselves to be talked into small changes. So I think we're getting a few more progressives and they're getting more aware of the fact they have to fight to make changes. I think the general anti-establishment sentiment is stronger than I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the problem is whether the anti-establishment people can agree on anything because 50% of them are Trump people. <laughs> right. So what is there? Is there any way to get the Bernie people and the Trump people together to force the Biden people to really do something or establish an even higher new center that can replace the Biden people? I think that's the question. Right. How do you get progressive policies in a way that absorbs and makes allies out of conservatives? That's the question I think we ought to be asking. Right. Yeah. So what else is going on? <laughs> Just thinking how to save the world, you know? The... What kind of meditation do you do? I am recently into learning a little bit more about transcendental meditation. So I've just started doing, you know, like YouTube guided meditations and have taken, you know, a few like different small, like masterclasses from people who like, you know, have their own version of meditation. Um, But then I started reading autobiography of a yogi and so that one is like more focused on like Kriya yoga or Kriya yoga. I'm not sure how to say it. And yeah, sort of returning to that mostly, you know, guided puts you in, a, 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 it guides you to that place, but then to be able to do it yourself is sort of the you know goal of transcendental meditation. And since I'm, you know, big into like 
dancing and movement too. It's sort of looking for like a way, you know, through like yoga and uh, that sort of meditation as well. So yeah, I've considered becoming like a meditation teacher, like getting a teacher training just to be able to teach it one day maybe. So that's one thing I've been thinking about. It's a, uh, it's a nice space. I taught meditation for a few years and oh, nice. It, uh, it, partly it's an excuse for you to meditate a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> That's real nice. I think yeah, lot, just, there's different spots. I mean, different meditations. There's some of the same skills involved in all the types, but there's also right. a couple of different major styles where people are trying to get to different places in themselves. Right. Uh, TM is um, underrated, actually. I mean, it's, it's hugely popular. Arguably, it's, you know, become the number one meditation style on the planet. But um, there's a lot of people who look down on it. It's not sophisticated, like pure witnessing or something like that. But I think there's there's no reason for it to be limited. Uh, I'm really impressed by some of the people that do it. And I think that style can establish an enormous amount of internal coherence. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of was brought, brought to it through comedy actually with like Jerry Seinfeld talks about how he practices TM and I would, you know, see him as someone who's obviously very successful in being a, a performer. So I was like, Oh, this is something, you know, and a creator he writes and does all that too. So I was like, if this is something he's doing every day, you know, two times a day religiously and this is the result. So I was like, well, I, why not? You know, I can be doing that. Why not? Yeah. It gives you these experiences. It gives you more energy and relaxation and helps you create and focus on things. It's anything that, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Russell Brand, David Lynch and the Beatles were all into. Uh, that's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. They must be onto something there with that. <laughs> That or the it was the psychedelics, you know. You have a what's your experience of psychedelics? Limited, but hopefully expanding. Like I've pretty much tried everything and done most everything. More recently, um, shrooms, and then yeah, but it it in college it was like experimenting with like yeah like lsd and doing all that but mo most of the time like in a group setting or something yeah. of that nature and it was like one of those things where like i always wanted to be in the creative space while doing it but could never get the group energy to to go there you know it was sort of like i was in theater school you're like you know living in creating with like all the people in your program and so it was like we were kind of already already doing that in our life like so to then people wanted like to escape from that and just like be and I was like no but we can like be and create you know like we can do our we can do both of these things together so that was sort of my initial uh experiment with them um and so since then yeah i've done them here and there but have always been interested in like you know how how people got to create while experiencing them or cre you know create things after because of them you know 
Who are your uh, creative heroes aside from Jerry Seinfeld? Creative heroes, definitely David Bowie. Mm-hmm. I'd say the Beatles, David Bowie, the Beatles. I love more like, you know, or still alive, I guess, like Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton is a pretty big inspiration. And then who else? Yeah, those are probably the biggest, the biggest ones. Did you see Lin-Manuel Miranda on Curb Your Enthusiasm? I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I am not like remembering that I saw him on There's it. like a season where Larry is going to do a musical and then Lynn comes yes. in co-write it with him. <laughs> yes, yes. I did see that one. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, they have listings all the time out here in LA and I'm like applying for like different, basically like background jobs. I'm like, if I got on Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's like a, you know, bucket list. That would be awesome. I would like to see you on there before Larry dies, which might not be too long from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's get on there quick. Okay, so um, what's next in this uh, so-called series? What's your, you know, what's the next piece? Yeah, I saw those memes you've got. What's the next yeah. piece you're working on? Yeah, so I sort of had a plan. I was going to do like a video a day this week and it just didn't happen, but I'm, I'm, compiling yeah i want to do sort of because the first video was like didn't really explain the actual memes it sort of explained it as a concept again but i'd love to do like a sort of 60 second run through of like this is beige this is purple this is this is but fitting all that in is obviously a challenge and then i'd love to do like one for each one if there's enough like a whole video for beige, a whole video for purple and see if any of those do well, or, you know, I enjoy making them and see what happens from there. But yeah, just wanting to be able to like sum up the memes in 60 seconds with memes, hopefully. Well, I look forward to checking it out and, uh, you know, you're a pretty good salesman for it. I'm very tempted (laughs) time aside and try to make some though. I'm sure mine would just be, hyper peculiar (laughs) but maybe that's a good thing (laughs) yeah it seems to be the place to be hyper peculiar that's where you're gonna find other people who are interested in you know that exact thing so definitely check it out and explore yeah good to meet you sam thanks for talking to me yeah nice to meet you too look forward to speaking again hopefully (laughs) 